1: Outkick 360 is back alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Lance Lee is back as well, making the show happen alongside Jakob Swanson. uh, David Reed is the chairman of the board. Jacob, uh, always doing fantastic work. Excited you're with us as well across the Outkick network. Coming up uh, in about an hour, we have, from a Tennessee Titans perspective, Three players for rounds three and beyond that we tell you we would like to see the Titans select and why. That's coming up, uh, plus uh, the very latest on all of the local happenings here in Nashville. But we always start national with OutKick 360, and we hit NFL And college football headlines every single day of the year it is the nfl draft eve gentlemen good morning
2: we've almost made it we see the finish line out in front of us the draft is right there and i love a show that starts with a good awkward moment it's tough to have awkward moments amongst us now Uh, but hutton looks at lance lee who was not here the last couple of days and says so lance where did you ditch us to go and lance says i was actually quite ill uh, which we did not know. So we just assumed Lance left us. Uh, but Lance is actually, uh, was yeah. sick. So now we know that he's uh, feeling better. So Lance, welcome back. Good to, good to see that you're feeling better. And uh, we're
0: ready to roll. Could you, we run by majority vote here. Could you please hunt and down vote with me this thing that, that Withrow's doing before it becomes a the thing? Jack can it's, do whatever he'd like. the
2: Cactus Jack, bang, bang. Please stop. <laughs> I'm workshopping it. There are
0: people, work the workshop it. is over, there are people watching us that don't know us yet, and they're going to flip away when they see that.
2: I don't think that's what's going to get people to flip away. <laughs> I, I feel like there's going to be something else. Maybe my hatred of dogs, uh, many other things <laughs> that might get people to flip away or tune in. When you're By the way, the shopping. amount of or love, the amount of love, I, I found this out yesterday when, that, when Outkick put together a little three minute package of me talking about how dogs aren't humans, but people treat them like humans. The amount of love I got from people on on text said, you know, I would never publicly say what you said, but I agree with every point that you made, and thank you for saying it. So to those people, I say you're welcome.
0: Hutton and I both have dogs. We love our dogs. We don't treat our dogs like people, Uh, and nor do we endorse people treating their dogs like people. So it's not revolutionary what you said. And when you're workshopping things. I don't put clothes on my dog. Yeah, me neither. And when you're workshopping things, you go through different things. You're doing the same thing. Same dumb thing at the beginning of every show.
2: I started with this. Yeah, and we went away from that Uh, because it failed. At some point, I think I I raised the roof or did something like that. I did some sort of punching motion one day. That really didn't
1: work. That was one-done.
0: <laughs> strained if, a rib.
1: If you thought the Cactus Jack bang-bang was bad, the, whatever the punch was bad. No one knows who Cactus really Jack, Jack is. Oh, they, just like no one knows who half the people you reference on the show are. Yeah, locally. come on. Cactus Jack. Everybody knows who Cactus Jack You're is. You're going to go Isn't there. No one knows who Cactus Jack is, but everyone knows Will Bowling on this show? That's I never a,
2: mentioned Will oh. Bowling by name. All right, ever. I, how, about another,
1: how about a different and Will? You just did a Paul, great you,
2: disservice by mentioning name him. We name
1: names, and you refuse to name them.
2: Have you heard of Will Farrell since we'll name that Will? What about the Frank the Tank? I've, I've thought about doing sort of a Frank the Tank motion. Here's what I want you to, to think about doing. After he does no, that. No motion. But it's, you know, it, there's it, it's too stiff. Like if I'm just sitting Dan here, Dockage. I feel like the open. Dan just I feel like the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> do people know? Did you know Dan is? Do you approve of that reference? Hey Dan, see you soon. Yes.
0: we'll yeah. see,
2: see you at the ranking. I visited
0: with him. He said this: the man's thumb is coming off of him. He,
2: see you soon. I um I, I I just feel like it's too stiff. If you open it, you're just completely still. Kirby like you want to get head. moving. Kirby the whole got time, his head.
0: You know.
2: No, Kirby said, "I'm I'm." Uh, no, he said, "I look." Right, he did say I look stiff. Yeah. Which no, is no, weird. you look too large like, for your chairs. Yeah, I look that. like I'm uncomfortable.
0: We need to get a giant chair and put it there one day.
2: <laughs> so I'm, like, <laughs> I just look like a tiny person over here. I look chairs like a, like I look like cocker spaniel <laughs> in a sweater I'm a t- someone treats me like I'm a human when I'm actually all accurate. right.
0: All on. on to this big draft. All What's right, here we go.
1: Come on,
2: bang bang, let's go.
1: <laughs> well, let's make you some money first. FanDuel.com/slash/ok360. That look. is where you go. For the odds on Trevor Lawrence. You're about to see the offer. $5 wins you $100. There it is right there. $5 wins you $100 for new users. Fandle.com slash OK360. That's the max bet you see on your screen. It is open uh, for the, uh, until the first player is selected tomorrow night. So you have until tomorrow to sign up. Fandle.com slash OK360. Trevor Lawrence to Jacksonville. You can bet that at 20 to 1 odds that he will be selected first by the Jacksonville Jaguars at FanDuel Sportsbook.
0: My sister, not a huge sports fan, just left recently. She saw an advertisement like this on television, and she looked at me and said, much like Chad, why wouldn't you do this?
1: Oh, it's free money. Free money, Chad. I I just don't. Again, I'm I'm
2: looking right now at where you need to go to do it, and I'm thinking if you haven't done it yet, I I don't understand how you would not have done it, especially – seeing that Trevor Lawrence is going to be the number one pick. Yeah,
0: this is not there like are few certainties, Johnson missing the cut.
2: There are almost no certainties in, in sports betting, right? That's the fun of it. You don't know what's going to happen. That's mm-hmm. why we love sports. We all know that Trevor Lawrence is going to be drafted number one overall, and FanDuel is giving you an opportunity to say what we know is going to happen and win $100 by doing that. <laughs> it's free money. Do it. Do it.
0: I like for cash. Bang, bang. <laughs>
1: Primary complaint That's our new coming out <laughs> <laughs> Look what I,
0: Look what I've done.
1: <laughs> the opt-out year. We're going to see uh, several players throughout this draft who haven't played since 2019. And we know Chad's approach to this, which is they would be off the board. It's, it's, a, hard, it's a hard line approach. Draft sure. room. If, you, if you opted out last year uh, for college football, you're not on the GTFO. board this year. But what this First is, round.
2: First round would be off my board for a first-round pick. I would consider it in later
1: rounds, given the potential of a okay. player. Yeah. Um, off the board for the first round, but paul this it, it, if there's one or two teams that feel that way that the trump card goes to a player that they 've seen on film recently, or you know that they have a medical evaluation on or that they 've laid eyes on recently to know that they're they're healthy and and that they've played could these could these good players first round quality fall to teams that <laughs> are already very deep and very good.
0: Yeah, I hadn't thought of it this way. L- last night I visited with Blake Bettefield, uh our, our friend who was a scout for the Titans for 19 years uh, and was six years a college scouting director in the NFL. And he picked a team like Buffalo, you know, and said, here's a team that doesn't have a lot of roster holes, you know. I don't know where they're, dra- they're drafting in the 20s, late 20s, right. Um, that they can afford to take a guy who opted out and didn't get that last year of polish, progress, assessment on where his career is heading, and give him that year. Draft him, have the patience for him, take advantage of the fact that because he didn't play that last year, he didn't get drafted probably where he should have or would have, and be the huge beneficiary of getting a guy who, in a natural year, might have been drafted 8th, 10th, 12th. And so, in, in a way, playing the long game, the rich get richer. Um, you know. And you might have to take a guy who's really maybe a little bit less of a player because you've got more body of work and more confidence and you're really worried about not busting um, as a lesser team who needs help, whereas a Buffalo, a better team, can take... Not the chance so much as the time for a guy who sat out to give him that extra year to develop and be a little bit more patient. And are we going to see in two or three years a big payoff for some of these teams that had a better roster and could afford to make this move? I hadn't thought of it this way, but it could really pan out in a way that benefits some of these good teams.
1: Not even good teams. Maybe a team with multiple first-round picks, Jacksonville, Others.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Well, and I, I'm curious though, because my
2: hardline approach on this is not going to be the same as most NFL teams. And there's going to be some that may feel the same way, but I'm curious how many teams, because to get that player from an 8 to 12 range where they should be, to penalize them to go deep in the first round, late in the first round, because they set out this year, there's got to be a number of teams that think like I'm thinking with guys who opted out of the season. And I just don't know if, if that's the case. I'll give you a, a good example of this. Cincinnati at number five. Who are the two guys that Cincinnati, it yeah. seems like they're picking between, Panay Sewell, Jamar Chase. I can't think of a more Bengals dilemma than picking between two guys who didn't want to play football last year that made a business decision, opted out, and decided to, to, uh, to sit out last, last season, whatever the reason was. And again, Paul, you said this. You look into that reason, all that. Great. But that seems like a very Bengals decision to have. You're picking between two guys who left their team and didn't play football. To be fair to Sewell, this past
1: year his conference didn't want to play football right. for a while. That's true. So he, he he it's not
0: all in your hands. He may have been
2: left. Well, they ended up playing. Yeah, they, he could have he could have come back and played. So that part was in his hand. But um, I, I'm I'm just curious if there's any other teams out there. Like me. I me. I doubt it. Right? Like it, it's easy for me to say this, and this is absolutely what I believe and how I would go about it if I was an NFL GM. But I think Cincinnati's probably not feeling that way. I know some other teams, maybe at the top of the draft, don't feel the same way as me. you got to take it case by case with certain guys. But I think for the first round alone, it's not a stretch to say, let's just cross those guys off the list. Because there's plenty of other good players wherever you're drafting the first round that you could go to.
0: And, again, uh, I think on the case-by-case, case, there's some legitimate family concerns in some instances. And there are probably some guys who said, hey, man, I cannot play or I can work on my 40. I can assure that I'm not getting hurt. Uh, major business decisions and some, maybe some laziness factoring in. Here's another thing that, that Blake said that I think is really significant. From a scouting perspective, you know, a college kid who's playing football, you know where he is on a day-to-day basis, right? Coaching staff knows he's got to be in at 7, 8 in the morning, whatever, either at football complex or at a class, and you know where he is. And a student advisor or counselor knows where he is. Somebody on the coaching staff knows where he is. I'm not into the babysitting aspect, and that's part of why I'm not as big a college football guy. If he opted out, you don't know where he was. You know who knows where he is? His agent. And his agents, people—if he's hired an agent at that early stage—and I, I presume most of them have—and you know who's not going to tell you the truth necessarily if he's not been in good places every night. You know, presumably he's working out, right? But a workout—even if you're going crazy—is what four hours of your day, five hours of your day. Then what's the rest of your day contain? And who's giving you the scoop on that? The scout doesn't know the guy at 24-hour fitness or at D1 or at the gym, the way he knows the secretary, janitor, whatever, on campus. It's a whole different place, right, out of the scouting circle. And you have much less of a feel for what the guy who opted out is doing, was doing on a daily basis for the last football season.
2: Well, you can look at them. I mean, they've had pro days. Right. Well, These guys have gone and fitness. worked out. Teams it's not been about able to the
0: fitness so much as about what kind of decisions is he making and what's he into. Well, I think, biggest, I think the biggest. But I think the biggest part to.
2: about the decisions he's been making is the fitness. If they look like a different person, they're a step slower. They put on weight. Mm-hmm. They've lost a lot of weight. They just don't look the same. Then you know what they've. You well, know they've been up to something.
0: You can be fit during the day and doing all the right things and living the life at night, surrounding yourself with bad. People. Well,
1: this year, I think it's all mixed together. I don't, I don't think that factors in if you, if, you're, if you opted out or if you played, because you're only having access to so many people at the university. And coaches lie. Case in point, Urban Meyer, telling the truth. You may not like the guy, but he's telling and giving honest answers on his approach as a head coach whenever NFL teams would come calling. Here's what he had to say. We're about to read this quote on the screen. Um, in just a moment, here it is. Urban Meyer on being a, quote, source for NFL teams as a college head coach. This through Adam Schefter's podcast. Most of the time, that person is going to do everything they can to protect the player. I used to do that. I'm tied into that player. That's my guy for four years. That's like a family member to me. So without the access to the secretary, to the film guy, getting boots on the ground, being on campus... It's not just about the opt-out player this year. This is every player, and coaches lie. Just ask the Tennessee Titans last year with Georgia.
0: Yeah, well, you, you still need the secretary, the janitor, by phone, who are still seeing these kids at schools that play to some degree. Maybe less, but still some, and certainly saw them uh, in 2019. And so you're relying on a different time frame, and you have to find ways to find out things about the campus life. You have ways to find out things about campus life, maybe in a smaller scope, but still a way. A guy who opted out, I'm saying you have far fewer ways to find out about what he's doing because you don't have the contacts at wherever he is. You don't know where he's been. And that was Blake's point. You don't know where this guy's been. You know where the guy on campus has been, at least. Uh, you know, or, or you know the context of where he's been and people who you can talk to off campus, you don't know where to start to,
2: to me it just goes back to you're going to know when you see them physically i get what you're saying paul maybe they're out a little bit more they're doing something and there's no way that you would know about it but i feel like there's there are still ways you could find out my big objection to it is you want someone who can't live without what they're doing but like part of being a professional athlete is passion is, is you have to do it, even if you weren't getting you paid. Work. You know, the guys who say, and it, it sounds corny and cheesy now because everything we do is about money, which I get, whatever, business decision, all that, great. But I would do this if it was, if it was free, right? I'd, I'd be playing football. I'd be going and doing this on the weekend, even if I had another job, because I, I love it so much. To me, these are guys who made the decision that said, I don't love it that much. I'm going to leave my teammates because I have a chance at a big paycheck and I'm going to protect that paycheck. And agents out there are saying that is a smart move. You owe that school nothing. You've given them two or three years, whatever it may be. I feel like they owe their teammates more than that, and that's why I would cross them off the list.
1: Ultimately, though, all the discussion for it is all for naught. I mean, there may be one or two players that fall a little bit. Gregory Rousseau comes to mind, um, who who, who may. But the top-end talent? they're still going to be treated as top-end talent in this draft, whether or not they played last year or not. Um, and if they, don't cut, if they don't cut the first round, as a player who did play last year, they're not going to be drafted. They're not going to be drafted high. They're going to be passed up for a guy who did make the business decision. And it goes back to all the discussion across the country about these guys who are opting out of bowl games three or four years ago. And, and are, are, are they truly team first? Yeah, it didn't hurt them. NFL teams still drafted those dudes because they were going to help their team immediately as elite talent.
0: But this is a bigger decision, I would say, uh, in a tie scenario, uh, a lot of people would be leaning towards the guy they have three years of play on as compared to the guy, uh, you know, who maybe had an injury as as a sophomore and then didn't play as a senior. And you have, you know, we've talked about some small sample sizes on some guys. And what you want, is the more, the more tape, the better, where you could see progress. Yeah. You know, and progress over 16 games is nowhere near the same as progress over 30 games.
2: Well, it's right. not going to hurt Jamar Chase or Panay Sewell, t- two guys I brought the up. They're going to go top five. They're going to go top six or seven, if not top five. So it's not going to hurt them. This is my opinion. This is not my opinion on what NFL teams are going to do. NFL teams are going to take those guys. I'm telling you what I would want for my team, and it's not that. But it doesn't matter because NFL teams are going to go about it a completely different way, and I think we're going to see that very early in this draft with those guys because they're probably not going to be penalized for it. I think Hutton, you brought up a, a, a good example of Rousseau. Rousseau is, is a one big he test just hasn't cake. played enough football. You know, he hasn't done a lot. Uh, he what's, what he's done
1: looks really good. Well, but I, I do think the the opt out year hurt him. This this um, what this Sunday, maybe Saturday night. This Sunday morning, we will have mock drafts for the 2022 NFL draft. And Gregory Rousseau was a top-ten pick at this time last year for this year's draft. Right. And he didn't play. But yet, he may fall out of the first round.
0: He's a guy that will be far better served, I believe. I, I imagine, I, I'm curious if you agree. He'll be better served by going a little later to a better team. Yep. you know Because the expectations will be lower. If he goes to a team that desperately needs edge help right now, that will be worse for him than if he goes to a team that has three pretty good edge but, rushers and can easily... But him he made a
1: business decision. Two two years ago, only one player had more college sacks than Gregory Rousseau, okay, and it was he Chase Young. That was it in, in the entire country. And now we're going to see him go to the bottom of the first round, maybe day two.
0: Could he have come out last year or no?
1: Um, no, he was... I think he was a sophomore, redshirt sophomore. Yeah.
0: So it's not, not like he made a business decision to stay in. He just made a business not decision not to play.
1: And that's the example Chad's saying. Yeah. I mean, that's the one guy you could point to um, He's who was very post high post, on boards yeah. uh, at this time last year.
0: It cost himself.
2: Well, and again, I'm, I'm just going with the psychology of that decision. Right. He had a great year. And to me, I, I, I see a guy who doesn't play, and I, I see a guy who's thinking, I can't do any better than that. I can't do any better than second most sacks behind Chase Young. That was an amazing year. I'm, I'm, I'm going to come back and hurt my chances. I don't want a guy who's thinking about hurting his chances. I want a guy who believes when he goes out there, I'm going to be even better this year. I, I'm just scratching the surface with what I did last year. I don't want the doubt of, well, if I come back, I'm hurting my draft stock. Or if I come back, I'm, I might get hurt. Or this might happen. I, I just call it corny. I want someone who loves it more than anything else, and that is their first priority. If I'm spending millions of dollars on someone, that has to be the priority.
1: Coming up, tons of mock drafts, version 2.0, 3.0. There's a general manager who does not care for these mock drafts, and it's an interesting theory on how they handle it within their own draft room. That's next on OutKick 360. Outkick 360, live from Studio G in Nashville, Tennessee, The Blackbird Studios and BlackBirdAcademy.com is where you can learn more information about where we sit in the entire 14,000 square foot rehearsal space and studio. And if you go to the website, you'll see everything you need to know, The theblackbirdacademy.com where you can become a professional studio engineer, audio engineer. You can work on the road or in-house, learn more about this great place right here in Music City, the blackbirdacademy.com. Love being here at uh, Blackbird Studio. Crew is all here today. So, Kevin Colbert of the Pittsburgh Steelers is not a fan of mock drafts, and he was asked if the Steelers do their own. And
0: most teams do. They say yeah. it's part of their draft prep.
1: They, they try to mock what's going to happen in front of them. I mean, of course, if you go on a Twitter timeline, Facebook, YouTube, wherever you're watching our show today, you'll see a mock draft somewhere. In fact, coming up later, we're going to give you three players for the Tennessee Titans for rounds three and beyond.
2: Oh, look, there's one right now on my the, screen. I
1: just rolled up on Twitter. There's a new mock draft out. Here's the Steelers' alternative approach to mock
3: drafts. Um, we don't care. Uh, we've we've never worried about what the folks in front of us will do. Uh, as we've told you guys, um, we don't. We used to do the mock drafts, and it was a complete waste of time. Uh, what we've done now is we and we've done this for what last 12 years yeah. or so. We just mock ourselves, can. and we're gonna we're picking first, and we're gonna pick a player. Okay, he's gone. We're picking second. Okay, he's gone. We're picking third. And when we're done with this process, and it'll take, you know, the good part of the day on Wednesday, when we're done with that, we'll have 24 guys in an order that we would take them. And it's not necessarily the order you have on your board. So the order of the picks is set, and you just wait and watch. And as I said, the only decision you have to make is whether you're going to trade up or trade back. It doesn't matter what happens in front of you because you've already made that decision. Um, So there's Kevin Colbert
1: discussing mock drafts and and how they approach it. So they just go, they put themselves in every single slot leading up to where they draft, which is, what, 25 this year? 24. 24. So they're they're leading all the way up to their pick, and then they have their pot of players and who's left of that group they have rated, and they, they draft that player. I love
0: it. I mean, it's so simple, and it makes so much sense. If we were first, what would we do? If we were second, what would we do? All the way down. Now we're at 24. All right. Here's what remains. What will we do? But they're
1: still mocking, though. They're still mocking a draft. Right. But if, they're we're, not saying if we're drafting thirds,
0: first, then what do they do?
1: But they're saying if, if, if we're drafting third, two players are off the board, which they're mocking in some way.
0: Right. But
1: so how they're are they thinking determining that.
0: Well, they're thinking of it from their own perspective instead of trying to predict what everybody else does
1: based on their own needs.
0: Right. And And so, if if we moved up to here, but isn't every team doing
1: a big board? So, like the Titans will go in with there will be twenty two players rated on their board, and if they truly go best Mm. player, they're going that same way.
0: Yeah, but every other team, presumably, in the mock draft exercise is concerned with some degree with what everybody else is doing. And what he's saying is, we found that to be fruitless. Uh, It's ineffective. And a
1: waste of trying y- to predict.
0: Y- y- right. But and so I mean, that's you're- an ingredient that we're not putting much time and energy into.
2: This is where I'm a little bit confused because he is doing a mock draft. I get that he's doing it a different way. He's not looking at individual teams and what they're going to do. But he's if, you put together, the board. if you put together a big board of 100 players and you simply say, we're going to go right down the list, and who's 25th on our list? Well, that's the projected guy because we're going straight. I mean, that's, that's a mock draft. That's like a schoolyard mock draft with no uh, no needs on the board, well, roster limitations, teams in front of you. I'm putting the 50 best players down on paper, and I'm going to cross right through and say these are going before us.
1: It is a mock, but the the what Paul's the way he describes it way is of doing it. every team is the Pittsburgh Steelers ahead of them. Yes, it's not the Titans ahead of them or the Colts ahead of them.
0: And he said it doesn't necessarily fall, as they sort things out, in a thing that takes all day today. He said Wednesday means today. It doesn't necessarily fall exactly according to their board because they're playing out a scenario where maybe something has a wrinkle that they don't see in just the list that's on their board.
2: Then that's even more of a mock draft. And also, if they're just picking based on the Pittsburgh Steelers' needs with every pick and how we would do it, that's stupid. That's makes no sense. I can understand just saying, I don't, I don't believe in mock drafts. We stopped doing them because they're pointless. Here's our list of our 100 best players. And we're going to see which one's the highest one on the list that fits a need and draft them. But I'm just confused by he's what describing he's describing his he, big board. Is he, yeah. Is he, is he picking, because he's saying I'm picking what the Steelers would have done with all those picks. Well, that's even dumber because then you're just looking at your own needs and you're not thinking about quarterback or other spots. No, but I think other if, you,
0: if you get that, well, they're picking well, value. Like even teams without quarterbacks,
2: value. you know, you, the Steelers aren't going to draft a quarterback, we don't think. No, they could. Okay, but let's say. Uh, you're saying first round? Yes. So first round. So Kansas City Chiefs, they're not going to draft a quarterback right now. they got quarterbacks on their big board. They're ranking every player in the draft, so they're going to have quarterbacks on that big board when they're looking at it.
0: Right, but so they do that exercise and they set the quarterbacks aside and they, they don't take them. Or they get to a certain point and they say, at this point we would have to take them. Or, okay, here we'd make a call to X, Y, and Z and have a flow chart. I, I think for the Steelers, you know, it's interesting. You get to a certain point and you say, okay, here we would have to go chase so uh, this guy because uh, the way we're shaped and what we need this guy's too valuable at 15 for us not to, to pursue if he were available here. All right, how about three spots later? All right, how about, I don't know. I think it's just an interesting way to think about it. Well, if, it's they don't, to the mocks,
1: if they don't do mocks for other teams, how do they know who to trade up in front of?
0: Well, I think not doing much is different than. I'm I mean, they, sure. they have to predict. Here, well, here's. I'm sure they have a Titan. You know, they have a team by team thing, and they know yeah. who wants what. But
1: he's acting like he hasn't. It's a complete waste of time to try to predict what other teams are going to do. Well, not when to in fa- predict. If you're trying to get ahead of the Titans for a, a linebacker, and you're picking at 24, and they're at 22. You know you need to get to at least twenty-one or twenty with Chicago. To well, do I'm sure that. they
0: have a board that has Titans and what they need and who they anticipate they like and stuff. That doesn't mean they do a mock draft to play out how they think it's going to go because they found that not to be an effective way to determine.
2: I think that what this unfolds. guy sounds a lot like Kyle Shanahan saying, "I don't know if Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be alive on Sunday or if he's going to be on the roster. We don't know well, if anyone that on the planet well, well, this, this guy's has on got a particular. far, far more uh, advanced this track This guy's at, at least giving us a reason Shanahan. to show up on Thursday. But here's the thing. If you don't like mock and they're a waste alive. of time, end it there. <laughs> just say I don't like mock drafts, they're a waste of time. We don't do them. I don't find it. We any have a big board and when it said. gets to our pick, we decide what we're going to do because I just I don't believe him.
0: I thought that's some insight into I, a process of a guy who who manages a win consistently winning team that drafts like you said consistently players that fit his program and has a constant identity.
2: Great. But do you get what I'm saying? He said, I hate mocks. They're useless. Here's how we do our mocks. We go through our list and we pick what the Steelers would pick every draft, and then we get to 25. Just end it there. I, found that, I find that to be much more profound of a statement of, I hate mocks so much, we stopped doing them 10 years ago, and we just have a big board. And we do what the damn Pittsburgh Steelers want to do well, at 25. That's what he because said. Because that's the best available player. But then, no, he didn't.
0: He said they don't do the conventional He said, the then
2: I'm going to go and mark. draft one through 24, what we would do, he and then said, we'll see where we are. He
0: said they don't do the conventional I mark. don't
2: believe him also. I believe Because he knows what people in front of them want. He's going to trade yeah. up or down based on other teams. That he knows if someone's quarterback needy. You're he knows looking if there's a player that apart. someone loves. You just someone decided there you're going to
0: pick them apart. No someone there what. loves it. There's nothing wrong with what he said.
2: There's nothing but wrong again, with saying I don't do mock drafts. the start of is it's great.
1: If he's, picking, if he's just picking for the Steelers, he never has to trade.
2: It's flawed, though, Paul, when you say I, I don't believe in mock drafts, but here's how we do our mock draft without using the word mock draft. In,
1: in his mock, he trades in front to get ahead of himself to draft the player that he needs. Of course he has to My act, mind is blown now. He has to have <laughs> intel on what these other teams are doing I didn't say and what they
0: might do in the first I just explained round. how he has intel on other teams without doing a mock draft. I don't think they're uh, mutually exclusive.
2: Hutton, I hate coffee, but here's how I drink my coffee. Right here, out of this cup right here. I go to that, and I drink the coffee that way. You week. hate coffee? No. I'm saying that's the same that's thing as saying not, I hate mock drafts. Now you're
0: really stretching. You're, you're making a lot coffee. less sense than he does.
2: He's doing a mock draft. He's just doing it a different no, way.
1: No, what he's saying is I hate coffee, but I'm going to get a latte. True. I'm, I'm going to tweak it this way.
2: Wake, wake it
0: that me way. up, fellas, when this is over. No. I'll let them just go amongst themselves with the... Coffee analogy less and, is less and less sensible.
1: Coffee analogy Of the is three on. of us, Paul, the most sleepy, trust me. Um, coming up, Paul, a primary complaint. Uh, as we get to some other headlines today, Paul, are the, are the Yankees truly considering trading Aaron Judge?
0: I hadn't heard that they're considering trading Aaron Judge. First, they should offload Gary Sanchez. Uh, who who's just I mean and they're not going to get much for him, some team will think that they can uh you know refurbish him as a power hitter guy can't play very good catcher and he hasn't hit consistently in a long time once in a while he'll go on a little home run spree and then he'll go back to not doing anything they're playing the backup catcher who's hitting now and is a better catcher, so it's just time to move on well, have you be- seen something specific about he's the being judges? rumored
1: of being traded to the angels four i By the way, what an Angels move! That's
2: the discussion. (laughs) I feel like the Angels are always the team for like the Albert Pujols, Josh Hamilton, you know, at a time like whoever the big name, big money guy is, they're they're gonna overspend for that player. I don't have this
0: in front of me. I heard uh, actually, this was a joy to me. Um, You know how much I hate the Yankees radio broadcasters. It's a, it's really. uh, Oh, in fact, real quick, sorry. Let me clarify
1: before you get to the Yankees broadcasters. It was Buster Olney who reported this, and reading behind the paywall now at ESPN.com, Buster Olney reported this, that the Yankees and Angels had had uh, trade talks before the season even started about Aaron Judge.
0: Interesting. Um, I, I'm trying to look this up, and I'm not doing a great job, but um, I, I was listening to the Cleveland broadcast of the Yankees-Cleveland series, um, because Sirius Radio hooked me up with the Better broadcast. I didn't have to listen to uh, John Sterling and Susan Waldman, who are it's literally the most. Pain. They should put that on and for prisoners. You know, they give them really loud death metal music. No offense, fellas. As torture, you're saying
2: like an interrogation attack. Yeah, <laughs> just
0: put this on. Set Susan this Walton on this. eleven and play this. This this will make them suicidal. Um, but they were saying that perhaps. Um, Big, big men are not intended to, to play baseball. And they said, you know, put aside the steroids guy. The greatest home run hitter of all time is Hank Aaron. And Hank Aaron is six feet tall, 180 pounds. And I had never thought about it. Harmon Killebrew viewed as a massive guy, not as big as people think. And that the Aaron Judges of the world, the Giancarlo Stantons of the world, this guy was theorizing, maybe just too big in terms of how they get injured. Look up Killebrew. Um And I was, I was fascinated by this idea because these guys are constantly hurt and largely with muscle strains, the kind of things that steroids and HGH seem to, to help in, in a lot of ways. Uh, I, I was fascinated by this concept. Um, you know, Willie May's 5'11, 180. 180, not 220. Um, and I, I just, I, I don't know. I, you know, I don't know what you get for Aaron Judge right now. He's coming up to contract pay time. That's what scares me about him. I love him now on the Yankees. And he and wants I'll,
1: 10 years, 300 million. I'll
0: take it. I don't know if you can pay the guy 10 years, 300 million. Then and are you trading him? It's all about availability. Well, I need it, to know what I'm getting back for him.
1: You can't, you can't, uh, you have to get something for him if you're not paying him that someone else will.
0: No, I know. So it's all about what, what you get back. If you give me a good enough package about it, I'd think about it.
2: So I'm, I'm opening up a, a possible wormhole here, but when you talk about big guys, you can't talk about that in baseball. That's talking about steroids being a, con, a contributing factor to injury with some of these big guys, because the most durable player of all time was six four two thirty. 30. That's Cal Ripken Jr. And no one was saying he's too big, right? <laughs> he was a huge shortstop. For his time. Then he moved to third base. He was big yeah, for his yeah. position. He wasn't a
0: home run hitter. Like that,
2: Babe, Babe Ruth had some problems elsewhere. I, I just, I think it's. Babe uh, Ruth was
0: 6'2", I mean,
2: I, I see I see what the are. I'm talking about guys
0: are, unwinding. I see what the
2: announcers are with saying. With the big that The bigger you get, the more pounding your body takes just being on your feet. If you're going to play a baseball season and, and you know, it's. Look at huge guys in the NBA and think about running up and down a court.
0: Every step. every
2: For 82 nights, the way they do. And what that does to your feet, ankles, knees, hips. Harmon Killebrew is 5'11", 213. So the smaller you are, the less wear and tear you take. But, I mean, I, I can point to a number of great you know examples of big guys. Mark McGuire didn't get worse when he got bigger, right? Barry Bonds didn't get worse when he got bigger, they may have had a few more injuries, but that was all PED-related.
0: But we're talking here Aaron Judge is 6'7", 282. John Carlos Stanton is 6'6", 6, 6, 245. These are way out of proportion compared to uh, your regular power hitter. And, and, and baseball is trending bigger. And you know we've been in this conversation yesterday about batting average. You know you're going to hit two thirty-five, but you're going to potentially hit.
1: You're still scoring runs.
0: You know, home runs. It's 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 not a good thing. I don't know. I, I can't buy Aaron Judge right now. He's out again. This this started. Uh, uh, you saw it, but also yeah. I tweeted you guys last, texted you guys last night that he got pulled in the ninth inning for some more soreness.
1: It's um, after that, go, after hitting a homer and, and, the and other stealing up and stealing one. And the yeah. other
0: other thing this guy said is, um, you know, maybe they're going to have to take him out of right field at some point. He's a good right fielder. He's not getting hurt playing right field. He's he's great uh, in right field. We don't know field. what's getting him hurt though. It could just be on. No, be on his he's feet getting that hurt, long. he's getting hurt swinging. It's all upper. What, what was the body latest lower injury soreness? Thing. Lower
2: body soreness, right? Uh, This latest, he got pulled for lower body soreness.
0: Yeah, but I don't think any of it's running and fielding. It's all got to do with the torque of hitting.
2: Well, here's the fear I have for a guy like Aaron Judge, who should be an absolute superstar in baseball. Two words that I fear and I see all the time in the NBA that could ruin him and ruin baseball. Load management. He looks and sounds like a guy that this is going to be a constant theme with him, where he's going to have to be managed... In a way that's different from the rest of the team. I get sitting a guy out, you know, once every week, once every two weeks, whenever it may be. But this seems like What's it's your more number? of a an NBA style load management that infuriates fans. What's
0: your load management number in baseball on a 162 game schedule?
2: I mean, I think you uh, you sit once every two or three weeks if you're a everyday. How position many games? Player. You
0: 140, 145? Yeah, 140, 145. Yeah. I could I could live with the guy playing 140, 145. But also, you know.
2: He's not on that pace, though. If
0: you're scheduling that 140, 145 and you're on a tear or the team's in a slump, you know, you need the at-bats when you need the at-bats. You can't. To me, it turns into a load management thing when he's just not available. Yeah. And you have the bases loaded in the eighth inning of a big Game against Boston, and he's sitting in the dugout in the corner with a jacket on. I I can't load manage right then. I need the swing.
1: Primary complaint is next on Outkick 360. We'll bring it. Golf clap this time, Paul. Is that better? Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network, alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. You can email the show, 360 at Outkick.com. That's important because you can interact with primary complaint each and every Wednesday right here on the show. We're about to give our examples, but Chad, for those in the future who want to complain about their big topic of the week, sports or non-sports, you can email that into us.
2: Yeah, we're looking for as much show interaction from our viewers, our listeners as possible. And a way, you can get involved in the show is simply email us, 360 at OutKick.com. Do a little video on your phone, however you want to present it. You could even do a primary complaint while pointing the phone at something you're complaining about. And Talking about it, get creative with it however you want to do it. If you don't want your face seen on this show, but over you there. want to be doing some sort of yeah, if you want to get the right camera angles, and we're going to be talking cinematography on here, and you want to do some sort of Terrence Malick like production, you can do all of that by simply emailing us 360 at outkick.com. Let us know your primary complaint. We got one we're going to share with you today. We shared one last week also, but email us 360 at outkick.com and we'll get those. Primary complaints in the cash and ready
1: to show. It is time for this week's primary complaint. So my primary complaint this week, look, I, I, I need to preface this by saying I like many of the, the, the changes that Major League Baseball has made um, during the pandemic and carrying it over to this year. But I need to know whether or not they validate a seven-inning game as a game and a double header. And the prime example of that is the no-hitter that Madison Bumgarner threw this past weekend. Is it a full game or is it not a full game? A one-hitter that happened in the previous game counts as a one-hitter in the record books. But a no-hitter is not counted officially in the record books. I just find it odd. Major League Baseball played a and completed a 60-game season. A 60-game season and still held a World Series. They crowned a champion. The Dodgers had a ring ceremony last month. But a seven inning game that they're counting as a full game that you deem a complete contest, Major League Baseball, is not a no hitter for Madison Bumgarner. But anything else that happens is counted in the favor of the player. If you're setting the standard, go by the bar you set and you have declared seven innings Fine and proper for 2021. That's my primary complaint.
2: That's outstanding, and I I, I agree with that. By the way, uh, I, uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna reset the rules and reshape the rules, then an official game is an official game. It's really that simple. If you're going by the seven inning deal and double headers throughout, then that's an official game. What well, happens in it is an official see, game. See,
0: I think it goes to show you a, a no hitter is such a valuable thing. I agree. 7 innings doesn't cut it. So if 7 innings doesn't cut it for a no-hitter, then it doesn't cut it for a one-hitter. It doesn't cut it for a lot of things. Then you seven have to call it doesn't or a cut game it for anything. Yeah, well, or, a you, game. or you, yeah, I, I would argue that or you have to call but it a, an Baseball abbreviated
1: is, game. Major League Baseball is calling it a game. I get I get I get, game. I
0: get what you're saying. I think you have to call it an abbreviated game and make it known that things like no-hitters and Don't don't, it doesn't qualify?
2: Well, I mean, if you, I think it's a very slippery slope that Major League Baseball is sliding down with that because, is it half a win if you win with a runner on second to start extra innings? Because that's not the way they've always done it. That's not real baseball. They've they've invented this in the last year and a half. I don't like it. So and it's um,
1: not it's not even referencing a 2021 rule or a 2020 rule. It's referencing a rule from 1991. As to why his no hitter did not go down to the record books as a no hitter. What was the ninety-one rule? That you have to you have to pitch at least nine innings for the no hitter, for uh, you know, for, oh, because there's a range to go. Game or di- so so you know the seven innings doesn't count. That they're referencing that, but they just had a sixty-game season where the Dodgers are celebrating and having a parade for a World Championship. I don't. Know. Th- that's validated. It's a mess.
0: The whole thing's messing.
2: So my primary complaint, and we've got visual evidence of this also, uh, is something that's hanging in my garage right now. It's, it's a weed eater. <laughs> um, I really enjoy landscaping my own property. I, I like mowing the yard. I like the feeling of accomplishment looking out at my yard that I own, and it looks good at the end of, of, of some work during the day. Here's what I hate, though, and it's my primary complaint this week. We're sending things to the moon right now as a country. And seemingly can't get a weed eater that works properly. This is my third weed eater. And every single one of them has something different wrong with this weed eater. It's gas operated. The string runs out too quick. It gets tangled up too easily. It's like solving some sort of algorithm to try to get the string back into it to the point where I normally just give up because my wife's better at restringing it. And I let her do it. And then the backbreaking process of weed eating at times, um, and the little bit older you get, the harder it is, is such a pain. I like almost everything about doing yard work. Shouldn't say like it. I can tolerate almost everything. I find it very hard to tolerate the weed eater, and I need some sort of life hack for my dilemma with the weed eater, and that is my primary complaint.
0: I really enjoy your tighten up flag on the wall there. Tighten up!
2: Yeah, that, was, uh, up. that was that was given as a, as a gift. It's also a Nashville SC old uh, flag up there. To which we had someone doing some work at our house the other day and walked into the garage, a salesman, mind you, and looked up and said, soccer? I hate soccer. First thing he said. <laughs> and sold! I'm like, first off, I'm not a huge soccer guy either. That was just given to us, so we put it up. But that's a really good way to get started off if I did love soccer, by the way. Good job, buddy.
0: Real salesman. My primary complaint, um, some of these social media promotions, okay? Look, if you're a media company, say, and and you're desperate to get people to, to follow you, go for it. But I'm here to give you the other side. Don't jump through all these hoops these people are asking you for. Hey, follow my account and follow this account and like this tweet and retweet it and, uh, you know, name three other friends of yours. <laughs> and you have a chance to win uh, this trinket signed by this C-level player. Plus wow! your favorite
2: menu item at Applebee's. Yes. Throw that in also.
0: What an incredible offer for you. A trinket signed by a C-level player. And I've now collected data. on uh, I've, got, I've upped my account by a, you and two th- two potential other followers. And my database is just... Grow, grow, grow it. But you might win a trinket. Um, Look, follow accounts that you want to follow that provide you with good content. Um, People and outlets who deserve to be followed. Not ones who dangle trinkets and autographs that are worth pennies. Uh, That's my advice.
1: We... Welcome your primary complaint, 360 at OutKick.com. An example of what you can do is right here from 360 season ticket holder, James Lewis.
3: My primary complaint is with the United States Postal Service, for a reason that you might not think. My family and I, we live in a new build subdivision in a house that we built back in 2019. Sometime that year, the Postal Service decided they were going to no longer deliver to personal mailboxes. Instead, we have CPU mailboxes that are uh, like an apartment complex would have. Uh, They're located at our pool. You know, that's fine. Uh, But here's the kicker. The Postal Service has been contracted by Amazon to deliver their packages. And where are those going? You guessed it, our doorstep. (laughs) So the Postal Service can go and deliver a package to us from Amazon, but but I have to go on a quest to go get my daily mail. Do better, USPS. That's my primary complaint.
1: Wow, I, this is the first I have heard of this, where they won't even deliver to a mailbox any longer. I
0: have heard of this uh, thing where you have kind of that apartment complex mail center. And those are always, the,
1: the actual mailbox for small. those things are always smaller than your mailbox. So you have to, that that. Probably means he's going he's going in half the time. And you're to going
0: daily and if you've got a to pack a big envelope or yeah. or something, they're really stuffing it in there.
2: I mean it's an effort to save gas mileage of driving through the neighborhood. Make it easy to put it for all in the postman who make it easier have to go door postman. to door,
0: he's making one stop. It
2: definitely makes it easier to get to know your neighbors, right? Like you gotta go to the pool house to go and Hey get, Fred,
0: you wanna go over to the yeah, mailbox?
2: Check it out, you know. Take these beers and
0: uh, Man, that's Amazon continues to get it done. They find Man. a way.
2: Amazon will <laughs> deliver it right to your door, but you're walking to that pool house. You're walking by the outdoor grill to go to the neighborhood to get your mail.
0: That's a good complaint. We want yours. Yes. So uh, do please email us, as he did uh, very well, 360 at Outkick.com. We'll do more than one. Uh, you want to give us a bunch, we'll, we'll uh, find a way to get them in there. So keep them coming.
1: Coming up. The latest from the Tennessee Power Hour. We'll keep it local. We'll talk Predators hockey as they are on the playoff push right in the thick of it. And they have a little bit of rest here before hosting, what, the biggest regular season hockey game in how many years? Hosting Dallas where the standings right there neck and neck with Dallas uh, coming in after playing Tampa tomorrow night. We'll we'll discuss all of that. We'll set up the, the standings going into Saturday. And then we preview and talk all things Titans and NFL Draft. Straight ahead on Outkick 360.